welcome back to Beyond the Core podcast. This is your host, Claudia Suarez, and I'm excited to be back this weekend with a new meaningful dance-related conversation. Before we start, I would like to thank everyone who dedicated a bit of their time to listen to last week's episode with Kirsten Kemp. Right now, we are in difficult times, and I hope you're finding valuable ways to spend your time in your home during this quarantine time. Today's guest is someone that you might already know in the dance podcast community, and that is none other than Jordan Tilton. I met Jordan through Instagram, actually. When I was recovering from my foot injury almost two years ago, she started commenting on some of my posts. I then said, who is this dancer that just followed me? I started reading her story and got more and more fascinated with not only what she was sharing online, but also with her story and everything we had in common. We both have very unique online dance platforms and hers is all about telling stories of dancers who are now business owners, or as I love to say, pursuing their plan B. She's a former dancer with San Francisco Ballet and current dancer with Diablo Ballet in the East Bay, California. If you're a dancer, have you ever thought about what you're going to do beyond dance when you retire? But if you're not a dancer, have you ever thought about what we do when we reach a certain age or get injured. Jordan's Ballet to Business podcast, which was born when she was recovering from a horrible foot injury, tells us inspirational stories that show all the character traits a dancer can gain from all the years dancing and apply them to their second careers as business owners and beyond. Follow us on this fantastic conversation where we follow Jordan's story to where she is dancing today, as well as how her podcast was born and her intentions, her own plan B, her furniture passion, and all our opinions on what is the best way we, dancers, can approach our second opportunity in life, as well as how much those careers and intentions have changed over time. Everything went like snowballing from there. And I said, well, if I ever retire a knock on wood injury uh, or whenever I decide to stop, I will do like some kind of journalism thing. Maybe I can, I can be a ballet critic. I can be something, I don't know, out of, you know, very intellectual side of dance or study art history and work in the theaters internally and reviving ballets like Alexei Romansky is doing, like something like that. I like to yeah. do that. But this is why I wanted to talk to you because you're exploring those people in your podcast and you yourself has, have this uh, Renové system, uh, no system, Renové business, let's say. Uh, you love furniture, you love design, and uh, I sometimes see that you grab a piece of furniture that's completely like, it could be in the trash and then you convert it to this beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Um, I love the trash. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this can be a treasure though. This is my treasure. <laughs> yes, no, definitely. Like I said, enough about me, but I wanted to start um, asking you for my very small audience right now with this podcast that again, is a developing of my second career, let's say. Very briefly, as brief as you can, uh, how do you start how do you go into San Francisco Valley and how are you 
now in Diablo Valley with your husband? I mean, I know it's a lot of to crush in, but I mean, you know, just tell us about it. <laughs> awesome. Definitely. Well, I grew up in Southern California. I started ballet. I really started seriously at probably eight years old. And then I, you know, with like a lot of young students, attended different summer intensives. Um, and when I auditioned for San Francisco Ballet School, it was very rare, but Helgi Thomason was actually at the summer intensive audition in Southern California. Oh. And I, I had no idea um, who he was. Mm -hmm. And um, a mom who was standing outside with my mom was like, that's the director of San Francisco Ballet. Oh and my God. he's staring at your daughter. And I had no clue. Uh, I was 15 and, and I got invited to join the summer intensive. And um, I was asked to join the school in level eight at the time. But I had just finished my freshman year of high school and I really loved the high school experience. So I said, you know, my dream is to be a trainee. I'm going to work so hard next year and maybe go back and see what happens. And um, that was a massive dream come true because the, the next summer I went and got offered a traineeship. So I moved to San Francisco at 16 um, and I joined the trainee program. So six boys and six girls and it was an incredible opportunity to work in such a small environment. And we also got to learn a lot of repertoire that the company was performing as well. So working with the company, but we also had our own repertoire that we would perform all around the Bay Area. So it felt like a little mini company. And but I got a lot of exposure to the company through that. And the company started to use me in Nutcracker. And then um, I ended up getting a corps de ballet contract uh, when I was 18. So I joined the corps de ballet. I danced with San Francisco Ballet for seven seasons, but not without um, hardship. I, with my ankles, I have had a lot of repetitive ankle sprains. And that happened to me quite a bit during my time there. Mm -hmm. And it was a cycle that I just felt I could never escape. And I didn't know if it was the workload or if it was just a lot of mental hardship as well that I was going through. I went through a lot of change from being a 16 year old to a 25 year old. You know, my body changed. Um, every time I got injured, it was just really hard. I felt like I was five steps behind everyone else, more than five steps. And I, yep. Yeah, I, I feel that too. Eventually it just got to the point where I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I met my husband at San Francisco ballet and the year that we got married, he had joined Diablo ballet, which is in the East Bay. He also had a lot of injuries as well. So he had gotten injured and uh, left San Francisco Ballet. And our first year of marriage, he was dancing for Diablo Ballet and would come home happy, healthy. And I looked at him and I was like, I want that too. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> had that in my life since I, for a very long time. Yeah. And um, then two years later, I had a really interesting injury to my psoas. It's oh. that deep abdominal muscle. And I, I felt like it was just very emotional too, but I tore it uh, in class. It was on a whim and I couldn't walk. And then I just, at that point, I knew like enough's enough. 
I, I'm really torn up <laughs> inside yeah. mentally and emotionally and I need a change. I knew like I needed to change. And so I left and reached out to my husband's director and said, I admire your company so much. I've seen so many performances. Um, I hear so many great things about you as a director and your kindness. And um, I would be honored to dance for you if you would have me. And uh, she had a, a space available. So I joined oh. Diablo Ballet in 2018, no, 17 in the fall. No, 18. Oh gosh. <laughs> ah! But it's been, it's been two, this is my third season Okay. with the company. Okay. We can make so, the math. 2017. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, um, you know, talking about, because with you, I, w I really want to uh, stress that fact that dancers actually go through a lot of doubts. I mean, if I have a very hard injury, what's going to happen with me? I know that you have interviewed so many people that have had so many stories, but what was your plan? Like, what was your plan B? As I know that you like to take furniture and make it beautiful. You have a, uh, now your podcast, well, your podcast was born so much later than that. But I mean, what was your plan B if, if dance was not going to happen for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and like you, I also really love academics. I love learning and growing up. I, I love school. I would always strive to get A's, cried if I got a B, you know? Um, so <laughs> I, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and and so when I joined San Francisco Ballet, my parents really encouraged me to continue pursuing my education and San Francisco Ballet has a wonderful partnership with St. Mary's College in the LEAP program. If yeah. your listeners have heard about it, it's a, a special program for professional dancers to get college credit for their knowledge in the field. So I, about my second year in the company, I started LEAP and I always saw that as my plan B, but then again, it's school, you know, it's not necessarily I'm getting anything financially yeah. from that, mm -hmm. but I, I guess I always still entertained this hope of, uh, I will get back to ballet. Like there was still something in me when I'd get injured that I guess I, I didn't see it as being done yet. Mm -hmm. I just saw it as a pause and I know that there's going to come a day when it, I am, it is going to be done. And I think that's where I am now is just, I really am trying to find financial revenue and streams of income from different places and try and build that and grow that. But I think when it came to my furniture, I wasn't worried about necessarily making profit off of it. I, it was more like this is another passion that I enjoy. And I saw people in San Francisco who it's a very transient city and leaving just solid, gorgeous pieces of furniture on the side of the street. Yeah. And I'm like, I have a car, I have paint and I like, uh, this is an opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. And, and then with, with Craigslist and Facebook marketplace, I just, I found a way to, to make money off yeah. of it. And, and I think when you, 
as a kid, I did, I was that lemonade stand girl too. Like I did build a lemonade stand and I loved making money off of like business. And so I I really, I, I don't know. It gave me confidence too, to be like, there is something that I can do other than ballet to make money. Mm-hmm. And I think as professional dancers, it's really challenging when you do get injured. That was the only time I realized, wow, I'm really relying. I have to rely on my body for income. Like, <laughs> and then when you don't have that in your life, it's, it is frightening. But I, I almost think that it takes something like an injury to kind of wake you up to that reality and yes. to make you think bigger picture because as dancers, we're so laser focused on, on ballet and the craft and nothing else seems to ever cross our minds until you have moments like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful because I do think that with every injury, it makes me think more and more about the future. And it makes me excited too, because I think that I can build something and I can be equally as passionate about hopefully my future job as I am about my current job. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's very interesting. Everything that you said, like every injury is uh, like a, a light that tells you, Hey, or something needs to change, or you realize something that you really like and you develop something new out of something that was awful, let's say, yeah. but then you turn it into, okay, this is a new opportunity for me to do X, Y, Z. And that's, that's very wonderful. And from, of course, from your very last injury last year in February, which was awful. I mean, I, like I, I told you before this interview was recording it, when I saw that picture, I was terrified and I said, what happened? Because I, I you know, I, I saw that you were going to perform and, 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 and you took a break from social media and I said, this is something very deep. And from that very hard and horrible, let's say, uh, experience, your podcast uh, searched and was born. Now with Ballerina in Business and and everything, and uh, Ballet to Business, which is your podcast's um, name, what is your goal? I think for me, in my perspective, I think you're trying to educate people that dancers can do other stuff too, or what's exactly your goal like, with, you know, with your podcast now and how it's, it has developed wonderfully. Oh, thank and, you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely one of my biggest goals is to encourage dancers that the character traits that we gain from being dedicated to this art form are character traits that will enable us to succeed beyond the ballet studio and to um and to be able to embrace those because i think that a lot of times in the ballet world it feels like if you don't reach a certain level um all that you committed to ballet is for nothing almost okay. and and i disagree with that because eventually, like we've talked about, we're all going to have to step away from pursuing ballet in the same capacity that we currently are. And if you, if you can instead think about how much you've gained from your training and how valuable those character traits are of perseverance and dedication and patience and grit, determination. And that's something that I ask my guests 
every episode is what's one of those character traits that you're so grateful for that has helped you in your in your business mm -hmm. that's helped you become an entrepreneur and it's amazing because everyone has such different answers and it makes me so grateful to realize like how much I am gaining from being a ballet dancer and that is definitely one of my biggest goals another one of my goals though is I would love to eventually make it more educational, that it can be a resource where dancers who want to learn more about business can hear about how to be better at marketing, can hear about like, should I choose to build something on Etsy versus creating my own website? Because I had a lot of those questions myself when I was exploring Renovay, my furniture business, and wanting to use the internet and I, I didn't know, like, is Etsy, like, what is Etsy all about? And is this a place where I could sell my pieces or is this totally unreasonable and I'd have to ship like a chair across the United States? Like, that's <laughs> probably not possible. Yeah. But what could I sell on Etsy? So um, I just, I would love eventually, and I think that I'm in the process of that, is as I'm meeting different entrepreneurs and different people, I'm realizing like, the skills that they have that maybe I can invite them back on to teach something. And eventually mm -hmm. I would love to have a huge like summit or conference where we could all meet up together and people could come and really learn. Like um, even I, I recently interviewed someone who's a professional bookkeeper. She was a soloist of San Francisco ballet, oh. but now she does bookkeeping, you know, and that's something that, entrepreneurs have to do, but a lot of them don't want to do, but maybe having someone who has been in their shoes and is now doing that and can teach them some, some tips and skills mm -hmm. yeah. that that would help build confidence. But I think one of the most beautiful things about this podcast that I've enjoyed is there's such a comfortability with talking to other dancers because you don't have to explain yourself as much like when we are talking to people who know nothing about what it's like to be a ballet dancer, you're yeah. always having to explain <laughs> like, okay, this is my day to day. Like, no, I'm not trying to go on Broadway right now. Like I'm trying to be a ballet dancer in a ballet company. And, and there's a lot of educating, but I feel like when I talk to people who we've shared so much of a similar background, they just kind of take a sigh of relief and, and are very vulnerable with me, which I appreciate because there's so many things that I wish I could have heard when I was younger um, and hear other dancers talk about their struggles and talk about their injuries. And I would have felt less alone going through them had I heard some of these stories. So um, those are a couple of my hopes and goals that this podcast can achieve. I mean, you, you mentioned a conference. I'm like, oh, I'm attending because <laughs> um, I don't know. I, for, like for myself, I have, I have developed so many skills out of just being a dancer, like discipline and all these character traits that you mentioned with your guests. And uh, this has given me the opportunity to, if I need a part-time job, I'm, I'm the first one chosen and I'm like am I that great you know and then people are like yeah you really are very disciplined and wonderful and everything I'm like mm. you know I don't take uh compliments very well um but 
then you realize that ballet gives you this discipline and grit and you don't give up on anything. And it's so wonderful. And I, me listening to those stories that you interview, it's like, wow, really, you can, uh, maybe ballet was not for you or maybe you finished your career and you're 40, okay, let's 40 or 40 something, your body cannot do it anymore. It's, it's not only about being a choreographer after, it's not only being a teacher, or it's not only being artistic director, you can be right. so many things. And actually, this is my, my next point. Like, for me, it's sometimes, like you said, it's very hard to explain to people that don't know what a, an act, like our career is exactly and my day-to-day and yeah I perform and I get paid for it hey but it's very hard because companies you know need the grants and all this stuff at least in the United States um so I ex- after explaining all that and they sometimes ask me when are you retiring like what how how long is the career and I say well if you're lucky 40 or 30 blah 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 you know if, if right. you're Wendy Whelan I mean almost 50 or Sylvie Guillen you know all these people or Alicia Alonso rest in peace I guess she danced until she was 60 or something uh, yeah but then they asked so what do you want to teach or something like that and I said no and then I start to say I have all these ideas I have a podcast I write and all this stuff but you can develop so many careers it's not only teaching so I think you have learned that it's not only that, it's not only your path, it's not only being a teacher and being stuck in a, in a classroom with a you know, dance studio with students that you probably do not like that much. Right. Probably you like to explore something else. But I think out of all your stories, they have always been finding a way to connect that very outside career like bookkeeping or copywriting with ballet. And it's something that for me, it's fascinating to hear. I'm like, oh, Josephine Lee. I mean, she didn't dance professionally, but right. she's touring everywhere, uh, finding everyone the right point to, which is so difficult for us to find. Uh, I don't know how many more examples. Um, Kirsten Kemp from Twin Talks Ballet, and she's now a mindset coach, but right. for dancers. So it's something, right. I mean, they always find a way to root it or keep it to the roots let's say my next let's say question or something to discuss about I know that in the past maybe my teachers for example they didn't have that flexibility to study online like you like this leap program that's so wonderful with San Francisco Ballet or um, the Royal Ballet some of the Royal Ballet dancers were taking in the UK something called the Open University Mm -hmm. like um, Stephen McGrath has a bachelor's in business Oh my gosh. Through there, yeah. And Tamara Rojo had also some statistics studies and stuff. And now she's, you know, artistic director of English National Ballet. And, you know, they developed their skills digitally. But beforehand, that didn't exist. Like you were a dancer and you're a dancer and that's it. And those people were teachers, choreographers and artistic directors. So what, what do you think with the digital world? Like how much have we changed and how much has the valley world expanded you know what's your opinion on that i don't know yeah no it's it's really intriguing because there is so much education that's now offered online as well like and not only within the ballet realm but just to 
acquire another skill like Skillshare and, and how I learned to podcast. I took a, a course. It was power up podcasting course by this guy called Pat Flynn. And I learned how to podcast and it it didn't take me much time. It was a self-driven course. Mm -hmm. So you could finish it as quickly as you wanted to. And so it's really fascinating to me, this like online education component, because I really do think that there's more possibilities for dancers to acquire other skills and and be able to create businesses off of that. But I, I do think that the ballet world in particular is in an interesting place it, as well with the World Ballet Day. Um, I know a lot of... Oh, yeah. I love yeah. my favorite day. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. It. Mm-hmm. It's incredible not only just the insight for people who are fascinated by ballet dancers, but for, for my husband who in particular, he loves teaching like that. He really is passionate about it, you know, and that have the calling. Exactly. Like that and, that's, calling. Mm-hmm. and that's, and, and I feel you put it perfectly because I do think that it's a calling. It's, it's something that for me personally, I, I do teach a lot. But I, I really feel like someday it's not something that I want to continue doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel called to it forever. And versus my husband, I, he, it's something that he studies, right? Like it's something that he watches the World Ballet Day videos to see how teachers are conducting company class. Oh, that's so interesting. So intriguing. Yeah. And he learns from their combinations and he like that, that for him is his way of learning all of the Vegana videos that are online, the graduation videos. Like he watches all of those because that's his way of learning. So I think that there's amazing education for people who do feel called to be that um, ballet teacher or that artistic director. Like you can see examples of that because of the internet that Mm -hmm. we've never had before. Yeah, definitely. We never, I mean, all of my teachers just are teachers because they were dancers and they just teach, you know, that's, I always, okay, you're a dancer, now you teach. So for me, I was always, you know, seeing, when I was little, I was seeing them, okay, you dance, now you teach me. And of course, ballet, I mean, we, we, we really need our teachers, but it's really interesting how Ray, uh, watches World Ballet Day with, I mean, as, me as a dancer, I watch how they do their combinations. I don't watch how they were, they're taught the combination. This is so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, God. Definitely. He's like analyzing the teacher. Yeah. And he's like, man, I love like the progression of the combinations. And that's, that's his, because I, I view it the way that you do. Yeah. Uh, and for me too, I view it as like, oh, great. This is a good class for me when I, especially this time that we're in right now, if I have have to take class at home, like I like these combinations, this feels good for me, but Mm -hmm. he watches it in a totally different perspective. Oh my God. Well, one of these days there was, um, I don't know, this studio that I'm then training in before my auditions, there was no class because they went on tour to one of the YGPs and I didn't know. So what I did was I put in the Royal Ballet War Ballet Day class of 2019 and I did it. And I said, yep. okay, I was, I'm, I was, I'm good. I'm sweating. I'm good. And then I took one of Catherine Morgan's, which is also, I mean, Catherine has also developed an amazing 
network and yeah. education and everything and she's she's wonderful too um i took her point class and i was i was like i feel proud of myself now i, I know that i can also learn also you mentioned that those veganova i think with those dancers that want to be teachers um they either want to i mean if you have a ballet school, let's say, and if you're a dancer that founds a ballet school and say, I'm going to be a director of a ballet school, and you want to establish a method, mm-hmm. you, will, you know, you have to study or actually hire those teachers that are experts in those, or maybe have a mix and match of, I don't know, one is a Russian teacher who, you know, teaches the technique classes, but you have the Cuban one who teaches the Parador ones that are, you know, they're wonderful partners and right. male dancers and everything. So I, I had this crazy idea of analyzing each and every one of the techniques, you know, R.A.D., Vaganova, Bournonville, uh, Chikari, uh, the SAB bunch in style, everything, and put everything, everyone in the same room and have the same class mm-hmm. with different teachers. And I mean, it's a project that I have like in the back of my mind, but something is like a history investigation or something like that. But it's so wonderful how we can learn from each other how we were taught and how we want to teach if we want to be teachers, you know, mm-hmm. any, any way. Um, I was trained by Cubans and Vaganova teachers, so it's a whole different story. But every time I go into a room like that, I'm like, okay, so this teacher is Russian. So I now, I know what to expect from the, the, the class. I know it's going to be a very long right. adagio, you know, please or first. Uh, but if my teacher is Cuban, which I do have a lot of Cuban teachers, uh, their grand plies come in the round de jams. They don't come mm. ever at the beginning of the class. But yeah, something that you learn along the way and something that my, like me, myself and I <laughs> want to teach to the world in my, let's say, my developing second career. And it's, you know, we can learn so much and it's so much to still learn from the ballet world that from for us, for directors, and for our audiences. And some people don't even know what to expect when they go to a theater and they, they're impressed and they're happy or they don't like it. I don't know. I really want to educate people and, and everything. But going through that point of education, how do you feel whenever someone asks you, what do you do? Because, <laughs> you know, we mentioned like it's so hard to explain someone uh what what you do and this is my day-to-day but also how and you say you're a dancer and you explain and everything and then you say i also have this side hustle and then they're like high side hustle let's say podcasting which uh, is it can be a hobby it can be a business it can be something else but you have all these different stuff and then who are you like you're the dancer you're the podcaster you're also so how do you explain yourself and how do you think is the best way to explain a stranger what you do this which is hard (laughs) yeah it is hard and and i think that like you mentioned it does come with education because either i have gotten the reaction you know when i say ballet dancer, there's this uh, kind of, oh, wow. Um, 
and I can't believe I met one who's real in real life. Like you're, you're real. That's like what my, my 10 year old or my eight year old or my three year old wants to do. Like Mm -hmm. I, I didn't think that could be a profession. So with that, you know, there is the education of, okay, this is what my, my day is like. And, and I think it's important because I, I, I truly believe that in order for this art form to grow, it takes knowing someone. I mean, when I invite people to the ballet and they know me and I've either met them at the gym, at the grocery store, like <laughs> at random places and, okay. and say like, um, no, we have performances and, and I'd love for you to come and here are the dates. Here's when they are. And there's something so wonderful when someone can go to a show and say, I know that person on stage. Like I've met them and to be able for them to, who have, this has happened multiple times where they've never been to a ballet before and um, they come into the theater and they actually get to see it because that's the thing is I really think to have respect and admiration for the art form, you need to be in the theater, in that experience with everyone. There's no distraction mm-hmm. in the theater. There's, there's no phones. There's no, <laughs> like everyone is experiencing the curtain going up, the lights going dark at the same time. And there's yeah. so much beauty about that. And so my, I mean, my, my goal, as long as I am a ballet dancer, is to try and reach out to people in my community and in people that I've met and, and bring them into that because then it, then they tell their friends and then they tell their friends. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really important to me. But in regards to all of the other things that I do, I, I find myself, I think just, I don't, I don't say I'm multi-passionate but I, I've heard a lot of people say like, well, I'm just a multi-passionate person and I have all of these, these different things that I do and put together. Um, I guess I do very much lead with the, the ballet dancer because it, it really is like the thing that takes up most of my time (laughs) at this moment. (laughs) But I think that when I can explain the things that I am passionate about, because obviously I'm very passionate about ballet, but I I love podcasting and I love painting furniture. And I think when I explain that to people, they actually remember those things even more than Mm -hmm. (laughs) than this this happened to me so much. Um, When I started writing and podcasting too and blogging and actually writing for the wonderful world of dance writing reviews and actually let's see I mean let's say um establishing myself as a writer as well because mm-hmm. I do love to write uh, I just don't do it as often right now just you know time and stuff but anyway that's my other passion and people are always like so are you going to go to school for writing or journalism or something? And I said, well, eventually, maybe yes. But they're surprised when I tell them, hey, but I do want to actually go for art history because I want to develop, I mean, that knowledge of art history, put it more into ballet and then put it more into my writings. I don't need to, I mean... Thank God I'm bilingual and a hundred percent, and I know how to write perfectly. Like not perfectly, but let's say I know how to write correctly in grammar and all stuff. I can maybe 
take some courses that we were mentioning in Skillshare to, you know, put some flowers and feathers in my writing and make it more exclusive. But the content that I'm writing for is what I want to learn even more of. But right. remember this more than the ballet dancer. And right now I started in two jobs that are remote and that my nerd self knows a lot of computers. And actually my way of podcasting was self-taught. <laughs> How do I That's even so impressive. I did, uh, you know, I know Microsoft and Apple. I know video editing because when I was 12, I had a school project that I had to, you know, edit a video and I spent hours. I mean, hours until 3 a.m. or so just playing with the video editing. So I know how to video edit. I know how to music edit. And in Tampa, in the school I was working in, I was the one who cut the music and the videos for the performances. And uh, and people were romantic new people let's say strangers were actually asking me hey can can you make a website for me can you Mm -hmm. uh edit this music for me can you you know this stuff is and then then they remember oh you're a dancer too so this happens a lot and um in these two jobs i have now that are remote thank god is i mean they're computer based and i can work from home and stuff but first of all i am a dancer and this is how I identify, you know, and there's a lot of professional dancers out there that just identify with that only, and they mm-hmm. struggle so much to let it go. Like I was, you know, we were talking about Wendy Whelan before, and her documentary. She got injured, and she couldn't believe that Peter Martins was telling her, like, "I don't want to put you in a cracker, really." And then, you know, his point was I don't want people to see you in decline and she was like am I in decline so for me she was one of the ones that struggled a lot with I'm getting older what am I going to do and then she after her surgery and everything she and her retirement she found something else and now she's the right hand of the now that is the director of the New York City by so but there's a lot of people that still struggle with what am I going to do? Because dance is the only thing I have done and they have been so successful and they have no idea what they're going to do. And then they struggle a lot in those times that they are 40 or something. And they're like, I would probably teach here and there, guest here and there, but I don't know what to do. This is kind of my last question, but what do you think about that? Those people that are, cannot find a second passion yet. Yeah. uh, The first thing that comes to my mind is it's just really tough to let go of that identity because I think it's ultimately tied to, I have so put so much value and worth in my identity as a ballet dancer that I don't know myself apart from it. And especially when I think you've had a lot of success and, you know, a few injuries, getting a lot of great roles, I, I can't imagine what that's like. But then it's also facing the reality of this is an art form you can really only do physically for a certain period of time. So, you know, and and I think that's why I am so passionate about talking about this topic of having dancers see themselves apart from being a ballet dancer. Because I do think that when we were younger, yeah, I look back at my childhood and think I had so many interests. I I had so many interests before ballet became the main thing. 
I was very interested. I loved scrapbooking and I loved watching the interior design shows and I, I love to write, you know, like, and those things kind of got pushed to the side Mm -hmm. when ballet became the main thing. And so I, I, I wonder if people thought more about their childhood self, could they see the other things that got kind of silenced when ballet was on the main stage of their life? And and I do think that it can be exciting to think back to, you know, you, you're still the same person, (laughs) like when you were a child and, and maybe that, that tiny little seed of a, another gift that you have or another like skill that you can develop it was planted when you were a kid, but you just have never been able to water it because you've been mm-hmm. watering being a, doing ballet. So I just, I also think that you have to be given opportunities or create opportunities for yourself to discover that you really can do more. And that's something that the podcast has taught me is I would have never known that I could be a host and and host and ask questions, right? It's, it's really Mm -hmm. intimidating to have to steward a conversation. And I was very unsure of myself, but I knew that I needed, I wanted these stories to be told. And I was just so genuinely curious to hear them that I didn't want my insecurities to stop me from trying, even if I wasn't going to be good at it. And I think for people who are very good at ballet, maybe they're afraid that they're not good at anything else. And it also takes going through that process of trying something and it not being the right thing. There were times where I, for my senior project, for example, in Leap, I was so intrigued by marketing and in San Francisco Ballet, especially like how they do their marketing. And I thought, oh, I'm so intrigued by this. There, like, surely I can learn how to do this. And so I got an internship to market to, or to be like interning in the marketing department. And I realized I'm sitting at this desk for five hours <laughs> and my body is not liking this. And so I had all this fantasy about it. And it wasn't until I tried it that I realized, okay, this is actually not for me, but you have to try like yeah. there's no seam this there's no seamless transition and that's what i've learned from the stories that i've heard too is even the people who did have their that education component and one former dancer um Rachel Kosser who started working at Harvard and yeah. she's like i thought i had the dream job post ballet and then realized it didn't suit her lifestyle and it didn't suit her passions and also it was hurting her body. So I I think we're all going to have to go through that process, but it's either you're going to postpone it and keep putting it off or you're going to start thinking about yourself in a more whole, bigger picture and maybe some of those dancers who do put it off are just afraid. And I get that, but there, there is, we also have to face the reality of the situation that we're in too. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And dancers, I mean, we're not the only ones who still uh, don't know what to do. Like, for example, when I, um, I mean, yes, you're a dancer maybe, but there are some examples in, let's say, quote unquote, the real world, like not, not our world. Um, mm-hmm. My classmates in high school in the US, I mean, in Venezuela is so different because sometimes well, our university system is very uh, go to the career right now. It's nothing that you go through the general courses and then you declare your major and whatever. <clears throat> so you knew, the majority of people knew what to do before applying to the universities. In here, uh, in America, you go through those two years of wondering maybe yes or no, and then you go to your major. And then I was very surprised about that because Venezuela, if you want to be a dentist, you go to the dentist school and that's it. You're in five years, you're a dentist, that's it. You don't have to go through the college because our uh, uh, educational system is so different. We are uh, we do the college, quote-unquote, college courses in the last two years of high school. So it's kind okay. of advanced, yeah. But um, anyway, there's a lot of people here in the U.S. that all some of my friends, they're like, I still haven't declared my major. And I'm like, oh, wow, really? Like, there's a lot of people out there that still don't know what to do with their future, and that's okay, you know, that's that's okay. It's, it's uh, something that happens. It's something that you have the call or not, or it's okay to take your time. And it's uh, not okay to compare yourself to others, actually. Um, It's something really hard. Uh, For me, I'm 22 and I'm seeing my classmates from my American high school graduate. They graduated this spring. No, in 2019, let's say it's spring of 2019, they're already out and they're doing masters and stuff. And I'm like, I should have done that, but um, you know, four years out of high school, and I, I I do my dancing. Sometimes I feel pressured to kind of be in school and doing educational stuff, but also dance. Like like we were t- we were um, sorry speaking before was um we are dancers first and this is how i feel um i'm going to do everything else after or during like you did with elite program actually a question you finished your no degree no no and that's the thing is it feels like ah it's just it kind of feels like a fly on my back like Mm. i want to finish so bad and it it's such a like it's a it's an iceberg. I just feel like I'm chipping at the iceberg. I think I'm eight or nine years in and it's just such a long process yeah. because at a certain point I can only take like one class a, a semester and that's three credits at this point and where I am in the elite program. So, but, but then, you know, what, what you're saying though, what I was thinking when you were talking about how you were self-taught in podcasting and video editing and music. Like, I think that we're in an amazing time with the internet because when you have that knowledge, you can teach that knowledge and you can create a course for people who are interested in that knowledge that you have because you taught yourself. And I, I love that. And, and it's something that I think now people are realizing that 
if you want to learn just one particular thing, like there are people who can teach you that one particular thing. Um, but I think a lot of people don't realize that they could be that teacher mm-hmm. because they have that knowledge. They've, they've learned it. They've, like you said, you've had the countless hours of like learning how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting way of education. I've heard, I've heard some other people like Tony Robbins and stuff talking about how he thinks like a lot of education now is going to be on the internet and also through just learning very specific skills. Um, but that's, I mean, but that's also like what can make you money Mm -hmm. right away. Like when you know a skill and you're a good writer, like you can make money writing these articles and working with these people. So um, it's definitely something to think more about. Yeah. And definitely right now there's some careers that you don't need a bachelor's degree for it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people and actually a lot of dancers that feel that they're too old whenever they, you know, quote unquote retire of their careers at late thirties or even for because of an injury, late twenties, unfortunately, that they're too old to go to college again. And they have to have this degree to have this, certain job I mean I think right now if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer you do have to go to school but there's some stuff that you don't need to and you can learn yourself and there's the internet is so wide and wise right now and you can learn so much self teaching yourself Uh, and yeah I mean a lot of knowledge out there and I uh, I think we're definitely hungry dancers, you and me, of learning. Yeah. (laughs) All the people that you interview and all the people that I have interviewed as well, they they have found passion also in and outside of dance. Um, But I think it always goes to your roots. Like you were saying, you learn about the character traits that all your people have um, grabbed from by. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we all stay with that. It's something that really, really stays with you because ballet is so, let's, let's put it in a, I don't know. It's so, it's hard. It's difficult. It's a passion. It's a career. It's a life. And it's part of your life and it's going to always be part of your life. Even if you decided to stop dancing at 18 or 43, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's always part of you. And, and yeah, and actually, well, this very last point, very quick I don't know if you want to have this tip for all of those out there who want to you know after learning everything of your podcast and all this conversation and everything that you have been through in your life Mm. what do you recommend to those dancers um, that want to start something else outside of ballet and sometimes maybe they're afraid of doing it because Mm. they want to stop dancing and they don't want to accept that they want to stop dancing or you know, what are you recommending a few words or a few sentences? To yeah, I, I just want to tell you to try. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of doubt. You're, you're probably going to be afraid, but you need to just try. If you have an idea, do it. Like, you can do it. And I think a lot of what holds people back from actually moving forward with whatever idea they have is – is they take too long to start. And if you wait too long, you're going to 
almost self-sabotage yourself and come up with all of the ways in which you're not qualified to do it. And if I've learned anything, people have shared with me that they learn more by doing. They learn like they get better by practicing. Like if you listen to my very first podcast, my audio is awful. Like, and my <laughs> my second and third podcast, my audio is awful. And, and honestly, like even like four episodes ago, I got a comment and someone saying like, I'm really loving what you're saying, but I can hardly hear you. So oh, no. even to this day, I'm still trying to figure it out. But that's the thing is like, you, you, it can't stay an idea. Like you need yeah. to make it happen and you can make it happen. And the more that you actually are in the process of working, it, it's like, it, it's even in ballet. It's like, I can't just sit here and think about class and think about all the ways I want to improve. Like I actually have to be in the studio and like physically do like discover mm-hmm. along the way. And, and it, it goes through like all aspects of life. So I think if you, if you have an idea and even if you don't have an idea, start listening to, to other podcasts, start talking to other people who are maybe pursuing something outside of the studio, just start having those conversations and, and, maybe someone will inspire you and motivate you. But I just, I never want fear to hold people back from trying because I know that fear has held me back from trying in my own life. Mm -hmm. Being a quote unquote perfectionist with ballet, there were so many times where I wouldn't want to try a certain step in the studio because I didn't want to mess up. And I didn't like I did, like I couldn't do it, you know? And then I realized like I was never going to get better at it because I was never practicing because I was afraid of not being perfect. And that's something that we really struggle with as dancers. And it's also something that we just need to let go of. And when I adopted the mindset of like the Nike swoop, like just do it, (laughs) I have learned so much and I've grown so much more uh, not only in ballet, but outside of my life. And I want to encourage people to just do it. And, and if you just do it, let me or Claudia know that you just did it because <laughs> so that's the thing is like having accountability. Like I did it. I did the thing that I've been thinking about for months upon months upon months. Like good for yeah. you. You can. Definitely. And you mentioned the, the steps in the studio and being a perfectionist, just uh, wrapping up. I mean, <laughs> I I laugh because for me turns are awful. I I don't like turns. So I feel whenever it's turning combination, it has a pivot and attitude, and then arabesque, and then it goes to an underdone, and then to the parabola, and then under. I'm like, okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Spinning around, spinning around, spinning around. So I sometimes have just not done the combination because I. I feel like I'm going to be a failure and, you know, and people are going to look at me, oh, she failed the period or something like that. So this fear of uh, actually not trying, I mean, this fear leads you to not try. And we need to overcome that, not only in the studio, but take it out, take it out and 
take out the the mindset of what will people think if I, I don't know, do a podcast. I was afraid of hearing my own voice, <laughs> or I I'm like yeah. I hear I I'm horrible, horrible voice. But then people are like, oh, you really have a soothing boy voice and. I like your voice and I'm like really you know so then when you try it and you do it you feel like you did something very successful and then you feel fulfilled uh, yeah. maybe it's not perfect but nothing is perfect not even right. you know not even the world right now with this virus going on and nothing is really nothing is perfect really and mm. we need to learn that this is true not not only in dance but everywhere yeah um i think we can talk the whole night um <laughs> but uh thank you so much jordan for, for this fantastic conversation i think it was wonderful and we can you know going through alice's uh wonderland how do you say it? yeah alice in wonderland with all this oh yeah stuff and rabbit <laughs> yeah. hole and all this stuff so I want to thank you so much for, you know, talking to me about this very uh, topic. This is, is deep because we dancers know that it, we don't, we need a plan B and uh, because dance is not forever, uh, unfortunately. Um, it's not, our careers are fortunately longer than gymnasts and some other right, right. are even shorter. So we need to be grateful that our art form is so wide and mm -hmm. it gives, you, gives us a lot of opportunities and character traits like you said you're learning in your podcast and everyone please listen to Jordan's podcast because this is so it's it's such an amazing one that you can learn uh, from a lot of people that um, have uh, successful businesses services what else I mean products as well products. yeah uh, a lot of stuff and yeah and also jordan uh where can we find you in social media and you know podcasts and everything just remind us where we can find you oh thank you so much mm -hmm. i so my website is jordannicolehcom and there i have show notes and you can also listen to the podcast on the website but i think the show notes are really fun because each guest uh, has basically a blog post where you can see more of their product or their service and you can find links to shop or learn more about what they do. So I, I really enjoy keeping up my um, website. I, my social media of choice is Instagram. I think it's really fun. It's accessible at times, you know, Instagram, I think we all go through our phases with that platform yeah. where you're like, I just need to take a break. But I found that when I really connect with people and especially when I've gotten to connect with you and um, just form a friendship, it that's been the most fulfilling part of the platform. So if you want to follow me there, uh, I'm at Jordan Nicole H as well. So, and um, my podcast is called Ballet to Business. It's on uh, iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. So that's another place to find me. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to you and all the wonderful things that you and your guests and even your husband is in two of the episodes, two or three. Um, two. two. That took some teeth pulling. That took some <laughs> That took some real pulling, O-L-L-I-N-G, on Instagram. So uh, asked the people and they wanted him. So that's how it happened. 
<laughs> no, it's perfect. And, and your stories are wonderful. So everyone who wants to know more about Jordan, they can find her there. And again, thank you, Jordan, for, for this. And I hope to, you know, connect soon. Uh, do more episodes together. I'll do a lot of yes. elaborations or, you know, whatever. We're here for each other. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Claudia. Such an honor. Of I'm in awe of you. <laughs> <laughs> so much for listening to this week's episode please stay tuned for more episodes to come if you would like to connect with me claudia suarez you can reach me out on instagram at claudia srz or srz for my british people if you're interested in supporting this podcast you can also become a supporter over at patreon i refreshed my patreon page a while ago and i'm very excited to see how it will come along just go to www patreon.com forward slash beyond the core also don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter or contact me by email everything is on the website i would love to start a meaningful dance related conversation with you